Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Brenham, Texas. My name is Joel Knox, and I'm the senior pastor here. If you haven't already, you can check out our media archive on our website, vineyardbrenham.org, or go to our Facebook page at Vineyard Brenham for more media or information about our church. We're so glad you joined us, and here's this week's message. Remember to turn on my mic. I was having too much fun. Well, I, I, I think you recognize the song, right? I, how many of you recognized it before anybody said anything? That, 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 it's good. Our, our kids watch that, and, and it's really funny. It came out whenever I was a kid, but I actually didn't ever get to watch it until I was an adult. You know, but that was the time before VHS and and all that kind of stuff. So um, it, it took it a while to, to, to get there for me, so, and it was available to our kids. Well, I played that song because I was thinking in terms of heroes. How many of you had a hero when you were growing up? Somebody that you looked up to, somebody you wanted to be like, Right? Well, my first hero was my dad, and it, it, I, would, I wish everyone had an opportunity to meet him. He, this September will be nine years since he passed away, but I, I'll never forget that whenever I got up older and I was kind of feeling my oats, I was a little bit taller than my dad. I thought, you know, that, that I, I, you know I, I, was, I was bigger than he was, and I, one of those times that I was feeling my oats, I, I smarted off to him. And I found out from my brother that the same thing happened to him. You know, it, I was within arm's reach, and my dad snatched me by my throat. And my brother and I were talking about this after my dad passed away, and he said, yeah, what, what did you say to him? And I told him, and he said, well, I, I certainly wouldn't have told dad that myself, but... Uh, but my dad was my hero, and, and I found out much later that he was, he was a paratrooper, and, you know, and he, he jumped out of airplanes. Um, one time I kicked a football up in a tree, and my dad climbed up to the very top of this tree where it's like it was kind of going side to side, and, and he, he, he was fearless. I mean, he, you know, he, he climbed poles and did all kinds of stuff. And when he found out that I was scared of heights, he just kind of laughed like, you know, what, what are you afraid of? You know, well, he, he, he drove a truck whenever, uh, whenever I got up older. And, you know, and so I thought whenever I was like junior high, high school age, that, that I, would, I would be a truck driver like he was. He worked for a utility company. And so I, that's what I expected that I would be. And I think about that now, and, and of course, those of you who know me, my, my dad was a lot more handy than I am. I, I'm, I'm not very handy at all. I, I, can, I can fix a computer, but that's about it. Well, my heroes started changing a little bit. I still looked up to my dad all through, through school, and, but I, I also had sports heroes that I looked up to. And one of the things that's big in sports is that, you know, if you have a favorite player, then you try to get, like, their endorsed products, right? You know, the Air Jordans, if you're a basketball player, 
you know, if you wear Jordans, back, back when I was in high school, it was, Jordans had just come out, and they, they're supposed to help you jump higher, fly farther, you know? And so, there's all these guys that are like spending money on these products, you know, like, um, I had a Nolan Ryan baseball glove. I was a baseball player, and I, I, I wanted to be a pitcher like Nolan Ryan. So I got a Nolan Ryan baseball glove. Well, I'm here to tell you, just because you have a Nolan Ryan baseball glove, it doesn't help you throw the baseball any better. There's a lot more involved with getting to that level of performance. So I'm taking the title of my, my message today from our opening song. I want to be like you. And in the New Testament book of Matthew, Jesus began his public ministry by saying, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now this was taken in, in the square at, uh, at Brenham. I, I just thought that was a really neat picture. What did Jesus mean by the kingdom of heaven is near? I want this to be interactive today. What did Jesus mean by saying the kingdom of heaven is near? It's come near. It's come close. What was he? What did he mean by that? He was there. That he was there. It's a good answer. Anybody else you want to take a stab at it? It's within your grasp. That, that, yes. It's here. It's within your grasp. It's come close. God has drawn near to us. Now, most people take that message that Jesus starts with saying, repent. The word repent means to change your mind, to change your direction, to change your focus. And they think it means to shape up, to get right. But we can also see that it was intended as an invitation. The kingdom, God's kingdom, His rule and reign, an interactive, intimate relationship with God is here and is available to us now. Think about that. Up until then, God was separated by this thick curtain that was hanging in, in the temple. Remember? And when Jesus died, the Bible says that that curtain was torn in two, which meant to say that God is now available to us. He's what Jesus had said already, that, that the kingdom has come near, God has come near, that it's now available to us. And it was a picture of what God had done in terms of breaking down that barrier that had, had been there between us and Him. So this, the kingdom has come, and we now have this, this interactive, intimate relationship with God that is here and available to us now. Now, how do we experience that kind of life? 
I mean, He's available to us. How do we go about experiencing God in His presence? Anybody? Yeah. In relationship with other people. Knowing His Word. Through Jesus. Through worship. See, there, there's, there's lots of answers. It's not just one way that we draw near to God. He's provided several means for us to draw near to Him. In the words of Dallas Willard, by living our lives the way Jesus would have us live them is how we experience the kingdom, how we experience the rule, of reign, the rule and reign of God breaking into our lives. We try to fashion our lives in a way to live them like Jesus would live. So how does Jesus want us to live today? Anybody? In kindness. Empowered. Empowered. Like he did. Like he did. How did Jesus live? Humility, servant. Servant. Humility. Humbly. See, these are all good answers. And we know the answers. Now, here's the question. Can we live our lives like that? Is it possible for us to live a life like Jesus lived? Now, I understand. Jesus was the Son of God. And we affirm that He was fully God and fully man. So, He does have an advantage over us. But I also want to propose to you that everything that he did when he was on earth, that he, he did that by the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through his life. He modeled what life could be like for each and every one of us. And if you remember what he said, that, that when the Holy Spirit comes, that we can do greater things than he did. Now, I've read what Jesus did in the Bible, and to imagine doing something greater than Jesus did, I mean, that's a pretty high bar. But that's available to us. That's, that's what He told us, right? I mean, that's what He expects for us to experience more than what even what he did when he was here on earth. Now, some folks say that it's impossible to live a life like that. But I, I want to propose to you that it is possible to live that kind of life. Now, when, when Jesus was on earth, he taught using stories that explained how, what the kingdom was like, how this works, how the kingdom works, how it is. And to tell us what that kingdom looked like. And in Matthew chapter 13, I'm, I'm gonna, and I'm going to be really quick and really brief. But Jesus has these two little stories that are crammed together. 
They're just little illustrations of what he, this is what he said, this is what the kingdom is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. And in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. When I was a kid, I'd go into, like, say, the grocery store. We had a, a Perry Brothers store. That was like the little five and dime in the town where I grew up with. Um, anybody familiar with Perry Brothers? Okay, had one here? Well, every now and then I, I would go in and, and, of course, you know, I was a baby, so I, I, I usually got what I wanted. But, um, but there were times that I went in and either I didn't have enough money or my mom didn't want to get me something. And so I would find something that I really wanted. And I knew I couldn't get it, so I would take it off the rack and I would put it at the very back to hide it. Has anybody ever done that before? And in my little small town, and, and this is kind of like, you know, it, I say like nine out of ten times. When I did that, nine out of ten times when I came back later, when I either had enough money or mom was, was okay with getting it for me, that thing was still there. And it was like, like this guy who, he, he, he found a treasure and he couldn't, he couldn't do anything right then. So he sold everything that he could. He did everything that he could so he could come back and take that as his. I mean... Think about that kind of prioritization. This is so important to me that I'll get rid of everything else so I can have this. You know? And, and just to make sure that nobody else takes it from me. And so he goes after it. You know, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for him. And so he goes after it. Well, then... He continues with this other little story. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the outlook, on, on, on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Now let me ask you, what was it that Jesus was trying to get across. What, what could possibly be so important that you would sell everything that you own so that you can get this thing that is so precious? What was Jesus talking about there? What was he illustrating? Certainly giving up our, our life, but what, what, what are we trying to, what, what, was, what were these guys trying to get? What, what was it that they were going after? It's relationship with Jesus. Because when, when we have relationship with Jesus, then we have access to the kingdom. See, they, they discarded everything else almost to the point of, of despising it so that they could achieve this thing 
that was so important, that was so precious, which was Jesus and his kingdom. This relationship with Jesus. And the Apostle Paul, he described this relationship in his second letter to the Corinthians. He said, For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changing into His glorious image. I think we all know that we become like what, we, what we're exposed to, what we hang around with. The things that, that, that we... That, that, we're around, that we get familiar with, that, that, that affects us. Well, as we, as we pursue a relationship with Jesus, we become more like Him. And we say that almost to a point, it's kind of glib, you know, just, yeah, as we, as we pursue Jesus, we become more like Him. And that's, that's really the purpose. But how do we cultivate that kind of a relationship. How do we cultivate a relationship with Jesus? Come on. Yeah, how do you how do we how do we cultivate a relationship with Jesus? Spending time with him. Studying who he was. Talking to him. Yeah. Getting in his presence. Guys, ladies, whenever you were pursuing that relationship with your significant other, whether spouse or hopeful spouse, what was it about being with that person that made you want to spend time with them? Lots of different things, but like what like kind of, kind of things? <laughs> Enjoying being in their presence, right? Hanging out with them. You liked, you liked hearing their jokes, even if they weren't any good. You like spending time together. You like being together. And so you, you try to find ways that you could do stuff so you can just hang out together, right? You only have so much time, and so you go do something just so you can just sit together and maybe, you know, just sit across from each other in a booth so you can, you can just talk, you know? Well... What I want to introduce today, and this is, this is something that's just been, been just kind of just bubbling on the, on the inside of me, is, is cultivating a spiritual life where, where we are intimate with Jesus. And, you know, some people think that the, the way you do that is, you know, you go and lock yourself up in a closet. And... I don't know about you, but I, I, I think most of us have, have jobs. We have families. And so if you just lock yourself in, up in a closet, you know, it, that hurts the relationships that you have in your life. You know, it, how, how, did, how do we do this in the course of life? Well, I think, I, I, I think 
we, we have, have ways available to us to draw near to Jesus and also to be able to, to, to bless the lives that we're, that, that we're connected with. You know, I, I don't think we have to become a monk in order to, to, to draw close to Jesus. You don't have to become a nun so that you can draw close to Jesus. You don't have to become a priest or a preacher. You can develop and cultivate that relationship right where you are in the life you're living and experience the presence of Jesus when you're driving down the road or while you're walking to and from in your workplace or whatever it is that you're doing, you can experience that kind of relationship with Jesus each and every day. So how do we do that? Well, I want to be, over the next few months, I want to talk about spiritual formation and, and spiritual disciplines. Now, and when we say spiritual disciplines, people's eyes either glo- they gloss over or, you know, they roll, you kind of roll their eyes because, like, you know, now we're going to talk about, like, what we got to do in order to be like Jesus you know, and it, and it becomes this thing like, well, you know, your checkbox. You know, well, I read my Bible today. Well, I, I had spent 10 minutes in prayer. You know, I did this and I did that. You know, we start checking off the boxes and we think about it in terms of, well, this is, the, you know, my to-do list. But it's more than, than just a to-do list. It's a focus about spending time with Jesus. And so I wanted to, I, I'm going to be talking about this quite a bit, hopefully over the next few months. And you might get tired of hearing me talk about it. But I, I think it's important that we make the priority for spending that time with Jesus in the course of our, of our, our days and weeks. Spiritual disciplines are the means of grace that God gives for bringing about genuine personal, personality formation Characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. And what are the, what's the fruit of the Spirit? It's not fruits, it's fruit. That's what Paul says. Well, I'd have it conveniently for you on the screen in case. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, these are characteristics when the Spirit is working in our life, that it, you know, a healthy plant, you don't have to worry about it blooming in the spring. If it's healthy, it just does. You know, a fruit tree, if it's healthy, it just sprouts fruit. Like, Diane, you have those, is it dewberries or blackberries? Blackberries. You know, I'd pick some of the biggest blackberries off of her her bushes last year. I mean, they they were enormous. And so, I mean, what does that say? That those, those berry bushes were really, really happy <laughs> in her garden. You know? And so if we're, if we're healthy in our relationship with Jesus, we can't help but bear fruit. So just real quickly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list this. And, and by saying this, it's not, this isn't an, an exhaustive list. But... I just want to just, just get you just to thinking about, you know, like the things that, that we can do in order to spend time with Jesus. Um, there's uh, the inner disciplines we, we call um, meditation, prayer, fasting, 
and study. And there's outward disciplines of simplicity. You know, we, we, I think we all could do with having less complicated lives. Solitude, submission, service. And then the corporate disciplines of confession. You know, Paul says, confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. Worship, like we did this morning. Guidance. You know, when we have decisions that need to be made, rather than, than just relying on our own intellect to, to go to an elder, to go to a, a brother or a sister and ask, you know, what would you pray with me how, how to, to navigate these decisions we have to make? And then celebration. You know, when we come together and we, we celebrate what God has done, you know, like we've been, been the last few weeks, we're celebrating the fact that we're together again. And here's the thing about when we talk about disciplines, the disciplines, consider them as practice. Yeah. Practice. Last, well, see, during the, I guess, our quarantine or whatever you want to call it, I started playing golf. With Deanna's dad. Sorry. Yeah. Well, it, it, your, your dad was a lot better than I was. And here's the thing. I, I've, I've had golf clubs for a long time, and I, I really don't ever play very much. I've watched videos, and, I've, you know, and I, I've, I know how I'm supposed to hit the ball in terms of you know, my stroke and, and tempo and all that kind of stuff. But can I tell you, watching videos and... You know, even holding the clubs or, you know, doing all these things and, and taking the little tips and everything, that's all well and good. But when you go to swing the golf club, it's a completely different story. And, and, and you know, I had this problem with topping the ball. It's like, yeah, you're raising up. Well, I can't tell what I'm doing, you know, and, and so I keep doing the same thing over and over again. And, you know, it, it's, it's really frustrating. But I'm thinking, you know, I, I'm, I'm athletic. I play baseball. I can go out. I can, I can hit a golf, golf ball, and I swing and hit it hard as I can, and it, it, it goes like a banana. <laughs> and the, the fact is that the guys who are good at their sport, they spent hours practicing, perfecting their swing. You know, guys who are baseball players... That, that can hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball or a curveball and be able to recognize that in just that eighth of a second that it takes to identify that and be able to respond and get a hit. They didn't just do that because, well, I I'm just want to play baseball today. And so they just go out and they're you know, a savant in the sport. It doesn't work that way. They spent time in preparation. And here's the thing. And I'm taking this from Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers. There's a thing called a 10,000-hour rule. And he, what he says is that practicing a task 20 hours per week over 10 years, 10,000 hours, a person can become an expert in any field. Think about that. 20 hours per week. They can come and become an expert in any field. And he calls 10,000 hours the magic number of greatness. 
Now, I understand. Again, I mentioned that, you know, we all have jobs. We all have families. But how much time do we spend in what we consider to be our greatest relationship? I mean, I, I've, I've got a Bible app on my phone, and, and there's like the five-minute devotions. You know, and I'm usually doing that whenever I'm running someplace. Like this morning, I went to pick up Pam, and I was listening to, uh, I have a, the Prayer on the Go app, and I'm listening to that on the way out there. You know, and, and it's cool, it's great, you know, and I'm going along, and I hardly even think about it because I'm driving. How many times have we preferred other stuff than pursuing a relationship with Jesus. I'm not here to beat us up. I'm not here to make you feel bad because if that were the case, it would all be coming back this direction. But what if, what if we as a congregation, as individuals, decided that I want to make my relationship with Jesus, a priority, like a guy who went out and found a, a treasure in a field and buried it so he could go back and sell everything that he had so he could come back and buy that field and have that treasure. To buy that pearl that was so precious. That's what spiritual formation is about. Choosing what is most important. Choosing to embrace the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. To embrace the kingdom. Because God has come. The, the kingdom is here. Now, we recognize that it's not here in its fullness. And one day, Jesus is going to return... And the kingdom will be fully inaugurated and we'll be able to experience that. But we can also experience the kingdom now. Maybe not in its fullness, but we can experience the fruit of the future kingdom of God in the lives that we live here now today. Does that make sense? So I want us as a congregation to begin this journey of spiritual formation together. And I think as we, as we experience what God is doing in our lives, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change everything. It's going to change how we look as a congregation. It's going to change how we look as, as families. Because God's going to be using us in, a, in, a, in mighty, 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 mighty ways. And it all begins with that relationship with Jesus. And, and Jesus wants us to know Him. And it's through these means of grace that God works in us and gets heaven into us. And we become more like Him. So that's what I want to challenge us to do. To become students of Jesus. Would you do that with me? Holy Spirit, I ask you to come this morning.
You didn't come to condemn us. You didn't come to tell us how bad we are because we didn't read our Bible this week or we didn't take time for devotions or that maybe we didn't share what we felt like we should have shared with somebody else or take the opportunity that just somehow passed us by. You just want relationship with us. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to experience your love. We want to experience transformation in us so that we bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Because as we do that, you're going to make us more like you. And we're going to experience more love. We're going to experience more compassion. We're going to experience more joy than we really ever knew was possible. Because you are at work in us. Lord, I invite you to come now and just rest on us. Lord, let us experience your love. Holy Spirit, come. Let us experience your love today.